really got to try on that left hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Cheers, and welcome, welcome once again to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the weekly show that brings you news, reviews, great interviews, and so much more all about the world of rugby union. You will have noticed by now that this is not our regular weekly episode, but is in fact yet another bonus episode, and this time I'm incredibly pleased to announce our latest guest, an icon of rugby, particularly here in Boston. That man is, of course, Dave Rudzinski, and before I carry on, am I okay to call you Buzzy? Absolutely. People won't know who Dave Radzinski is. <laughs> uh, well, Buzzy, it's so great to meet you in person, <laughs> such as it is. Thank you for joining us here on the Scrum of the Earth today. How are you? Awesome. Great to be here. And thank you for what you do, bringing, you know, good rugby content to our community, especially here locally in Boston. So I really appreciate that. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. I have a, I have a I'm very small time, but I'm proud of the, the you know the little crowd I've got, and they're all great people, and I've made some incredible connections through rugby. This gives me something to do on my hikes. Yeah, <laughs> I listen to rugby podcast for hours. <laughs> oh, uh, have you come across uh, Rugby Reloaded uh, by a guy named Tony Collins, Doctor Tony Collins? He's an historian and just a, a genius and a wonk all about rugby. He can, you know, you can say, oh, do you know anything about the 62 Wales team? And he'll be like, oh, yeah, he'll remember who scored the, the first and second tries in the Six Nations that year. You know, he's one of those guys. Highly recommend Rugby Reloaded. Um, <laughs> so I know you typically have training on Thursday evenings, so I'm going to try to be respectful of your time. Is it, is it going to yeah, go ahead tonight despite the massive rain and everything all day? Oh, yeah. It's actually clearing up. I see a little sunshine. Okay. <laughs> Pine Banks will be good tonight. So I, I feel compelled to mention it. There was a lovely little bit of confluence of events where I sort of I had been reading about you in Adam Hughes' new book, This is Rugby, which is great. Uh, and then I was talking to Dallin Stanford and I was just asking him about Maccabi Rugby. And I, I was just asking him, is there anyone you know with this organization that I maybe could reach out to to talk to? Boom, you were his first and immediate answer. And it just kind of felt like kismet. So thank you so much for joining us here. Oh, my pleasure. I actually got to interview Dallin on uh, a podcast during the pandemic when we did a lot of online content, Maccabi USA was doing this at home program with regular, you know, bring in uh, regular athletes from all different sports, NBA players and owners really? people that have been involved with Maccabi USA and Dallin being one of them, who's not only a famous broadcaster, but was a U.S. Uh, you know, he was. guy and a, a tremendous Maccabi USA rugby player. Uh, so I got to interview him, which is great to turn the microphone around on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I can't think of a better better interviewee. Dallin is just a magic man. Yeah. I, I can't. I'm just trying to picture what he must have looked like after playing sevens and fifteens in the same tournament over the same few days. He, he must have been a, a shell of a husk. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, under 80 kilos. He was on the under 80 kilo team. <laughs> 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 I'd say. Yeah. 
<laughs> so as I alluded to in the intro, you're, you're a bit of a legend in these parts. Uh, but for my listeners who don't know you, can you just tell us a little bit about your own rugby journey? You know, how did you discover it? And really, what I like to talk about is, is what it's meant to you during the course of your life. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it's meant a lot to me. And I want to make it clear from the beginning, I was a hack player. I was never a great player. I was a scrapper, grinder, whatever you want to call it. Someone who worked hard out there. Um, I got the most out of what I, what I had athletically, um, you know, through size and athleticism little bit of heart and you know a little bit up here and I figured the game out and enjoyed it and played it but I think you know when people say oh he's uh that I'm a big part of rugby in this area it has nothing to do with my game but it has everything to do with other people playing and me helping you know bring the either club forward or or youth rugby which is something I'm really passionate about so I yeah. actually started playing at URI University of Rhode Island we were, and this was in uh, 1980, 81 year, after I graduated high school, knew nothing about rugby. And uh, quick story, I actually, and I don't know if I'm proud to tell this or not, <laughs> college freshman, you know, sign up for the flag football with the dorm. I'm doing that. I'm looking in the school paper and I saw something, free beer, sign up behind the gym, bring your sneakers. And it was, I was like, I'm going down with my sneakers. I don't have a lot <laughs> that of sounds good. <laughs> I'm a freshman. I'm away from home. And I went and there was no beer. There was rugby training. We ran our asses off. But after training, they did bring us up to, uh, to have a few beers. So it, it turned out that that was the moment I was like, this sport is cool. I love rugby. They were, you know, I was small. They said, you scrum half. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> and, do uh, they still do? Uh, do they have rugby at URI still? Oh yeah, they're in. Uh, That's awesome. They play in the Liberty Conference with uh, all the uh, top New England teams. Back in our day, we were D one. You know, our schedule would have, um, you know, Harvard, Yale, Dartmouth teams like that. UConn, wow. uh, BC, UMass. Um, you know, the top big schools that were around, and URI was part. Wow. Of and then um, they were actually when I got there in the late. In the late 70s, URI was playing men's clubs and beating them. So they had actually teams in tournaments playing against the Mystic Rivers and the Charles Rivers wow. and Beacon Hills and all these teams that were around them. Providence is, uh, and it was a notorious group of guys that became the Rodeo Old Boys were big sevens team as well. And um, they really built this thing up. I got there. They were all graduating. We got the end of a couple of those guys and it was a tough battle and you didn't have a coach and we had to kind of, you know, build ourselves up. And, you know, I was um, captain in my senior year and I managed to go a senior and, a, and an extra little year as well and stayed on with the guys and the guys after me who came in like we had a tough couple of years in the middle and then we got really good by my last year. And the next year they won the whole New England. Uh, wow. You know, back then, amazing. yeah, at the top level. And this was, you know, URI was a solid program. Still, I go down to the alumni games. I'm the oldest guy at the alumni game a lot of times. So, <laughs> but, you know, I've stayed involved. I, it, when I started, you know, uh, being able to, I would support them every year instead of, you know, when the alumni funds reach out to you for everything, I'm not giving to anything but rugby. I'm not giving to the college of business or this or that. I'm giving uh -huh. it club you have to like earmark it for club sports 
rugby for it to get to the right place. Men's rugby, what I started with, now they have good women's rugby, which they didn't have. But then I was in college still. And in 83, um, I ended up finding Mystic. And I was still, I was 20. And I went out and played some games. It was awesome. They had just gone to France in 83. Mystics toured a lot back then in like the 70s. I guess so. Gone to Russia. They went to Wales, 76, 78. Then in 83, they went to uh, France. And then we went in 87 and 89. In 87, we went to Argentina and Brazil. One wow. Of, one of the most amazing tours I've ever been on. I've been on a lot of rugby tours as a player, coach, administrator. And uh, oh, Argentina back then, it was, yeah, it was amazing. And then um, we went to Australia um, in 89. Wow. And, uh, that's when I also, and you know, again, I was, I was not a great club player. I was a, I was a hack, hard worker guy. In 89, I was lucky enough to make, I was probably the last guy selected to make the Maccabi USA team. And uh, so my rugby journey, you know, then was, getting that was the first time it was really getting serious that I had to really mm. like I trained for a year really hard and I you know I got as fit as I've ever been and you know that was a big deal for me the tryouts were were pretty were pretty serious it was in upstate New York in Schenectady um and I can remember there was an east coast tryout and a west coast tryout and then they had a, a final camp and then they read out the names. And back then they, you know, took like 25 guys or whatever it was. And uh, yeah. And, you know, when I made that, I was like, oh, wow, now I got to really start training. Um, you know, and it, it, it was great, though. And then I got back, you know, immediately back. I was always in club rugby anyways. And I kept, you know, playing with Mystic all the time. Then I started having uh, kids. So then you're you're there, but I still played straight through. My son grew up on the sideline as a baby. He was there at lots of games and as a little toddler running around. And, you know, even as a young, I don't know, eight-year-old probably touch judging. And now he's in he was an AR in MLR. How good is that? This kid started when he was like eight years old, touch judging Mystic Club games, and he made it wow. to MLR AR. Now he's a ref in his retirement. But yeah, and you know. It's a family thing for sure. I met, you know, the boy's mother at, at a rugby game. And uh, yeah, it, so I was all in on rugby back then. And, um, you know, that, uh, that kind of launched me into the, you know, into the 90s. I'm starting to get older, but I'm still playing and hanging on, not training as much as, as we go. And then, you know, after you're 35, you're eligible to play old boy games. Mm. With that, I played more rugby probably as an old boy than I ever did. <laughs> At the same time, I still got to run out with my kids and play games with them. And even I was running out in a Mystic B-side game with Mikey when he was 16. Wow. So 46 or something like that. He was 16. I was 46. And I was running around the B-game, you know. And, uh, well, Mystic has been an absolute nothing special out there on the field, but learning a lot about rugby and I loved watching it. And I was in a, I was in a big corporate job and I do have to say rugby probably saved my, you know, life and health and everything else because it wanted to strangle half the people you work with in corporate America. Honestly, I, I look at, I had a release. I could go to training, I could go to games and then feel a little better, go back grind it out for a week, but I looked forward to rugby more than anything else. 
and you know, and then well, yeah, it's just been been well, Mystic, of course. You know, Mystic Rugby has been an absolute force in New England rugby from its very beginning. Uh, fairly recently, they won the Division One National Championship. I think that was 2018. Uh, Mystic has produced players who've transitioned up to Major League Rugby now, as well as uh, uh, many internationals. Uh, can you talk about some of the players you consider your sort of biggest success stories there? Well, it goes way back, actually. And we weren't the most successful team early on because Mystic was started in 74. Boston was the force then. So Boston right. was always that team we were gunning for. And it wasn't until the um, late 90s that we probably uh, first started beating. Uh, no, I mean, excuse me, it was the late 80s. We first started beating Boston and winning New England in the late 80s, which led up to our first national championship, which was actually in 92. So I was oh, okay. then, and we went to the nationals and we finished second in the country. We lost to old blues from Berkeley Cal. I don't know if you know who they are, but it was, uh, I haven't seen them play, but I'm aware of them. Yeah. They're, they're huge. Chicago Lions, uh, Dallas. I think we played, it was Dallas Harlequins back then. I think we played in uh, our internationals back then, Alec Montgomery, you know, still one of the best guys I've ever seen in a mystic Jersey uh, fullback. And um, he, he he came out of Harvard, played for Mystic, always seemed to me he was so serious about it because he was on track to become an Eagle, and he did, and he made it, and he played, was awesome. At the same time, we got, you know, a guy we didn't hear back then, they didn't have the social media blitz, but everyone talks about crossover athletes. We had a guy who was a rugby player, football player, rugby player, Richard Tarditz, and Richard is from France. He ended up coming to America, playing at University of Georgia and becoming a sack leader in the SEC, walking wow. the football team there, making the Patriots, spending four or five years on the roster of the Patriots as a backup linebacker to Andre Tippett and running out on. Oh, my gosh. That French guy, Richard Tarditz from from Biarritz. And, and then when he was done with NFL, he had he had an injury that kind of knocked him out of NFL. And he transformed his body and started playing rugby. And next thing you know, he's playing with the Eagles. He actually went to life as well, but he played at Mystic and we, we had Richard with us. Um, and, you know, back then uh, we would bring in a couple players every year, maybe from, from other countries. Now we don't have to, there's so many good players that are coming to Boston because they want to make MLR or they're making their homes there. And we have a setup where they're coming to us. We haven't recruited a player in a few years like that. It's just, we're not guys wow. to come. We, you know, we do the most we can to help out with housing or, or jobs. If guys are in a pinch, you know, set up roommates and trying to create, you know, connections, just like all the rugby clubs do. But yeah, back in those days, though, the earlier days, we had some young kids come over from Ponsonby Rugby Club in New Zealand, and we had some coaches from there. And that really changed our, our look as well. We learned wow. a lot. Those early coaches, uh, Guy Smith, Pataianini, and then, um, you know, went on from there. Brian Megson, Wayne Underhay. We had a bunch of Kiwis that have uh, coached at Mystic. And to me, that coaching is the thing that changes the club the most. And, you know, they could take a bunch of dopey American rugby players and turn us into a team. And we didn't have a lot of you know, special skill guys and international guys and all that. And no one had played before college back then. No one was playing mm. or youth, not many, you know, I think Brookline High and a couple of those schools were around way early, but not then, not for us. And then um, 
you know, from there we, uh, you know, we continued to be a force in New England, the Northeast. Um, that year when we went to nationals, that 91-92 year, we won Nerfu. Then we had to win the Northeast by beating Old Blue down in Old Blue. Then wow. we had to go to the Eastern Conference Championships, which had Life and, um, was it PAC? Yeah, PAC, which was like Potomac Athletic Club back then in huh. Life that were in it and us and someone else. And we ended up beating PAC and then Life to go wow. to Nationals where we beat Dallas on day one and lost to Old Blues on day two. But then from there, we had, you know, got, we had strong old boys and the team was growing. And, um, you know, as as those generations got older, a lot of the, the new guys coming in were pretty serious players and we got good coaches and we kept it up for a while. And then, um, you know, there's always up and downs with club rugby, but we've been consistent. But I think in the last, you know, um, the last 10 years, things have been, you know, radically different, or it's probably a little less than that even, but we won our first national championship in 2016. Oh, okay. Did it again in 2018. And, you know, in 2016, we had a couple of players come in to help. We had a good core nucleus of, of local guys. We also had a very important thing happen back then. We merged with Middlesex, which was a local. I saw something about that. Josh Smith had built up and then Josh, was their coach. And then, so we acquired Josh, the coach, and we merged with Middlesex and it was so good, but Josh knew Mystic because he played with us when he was a you know college kid and just getting out. Okay. He came and played with us before there was a Middlesex. You wow. know? And, um, and then Josh coached the Free Jacks. So right. that was a big deal. But in, you know, in terms of Mystic talent that, that kept coming, then we started having sevens guys. We've had guys that have been in, in and out of the sevens camps, um, junior, you know, USA junior side players. We had a kid, Martin uh, Kuchikarian, a couple of years ago, played USA under under 19s or whatever. Alex Broussard back in the day, and he went to St. Bonaventure, played at Mystic. He captained uh, USA U18 on a tour of England. Um, so we had kids going that way. But when we started our youth program, then we were able to see kids progress from playing flag, being little kids, like, and, you know, it started with six-year-olds. Somehow we've got four-year-olds playing now because someone says, oh, the little brother, little sister wants to play. Come oh. on. What are we going to do? Say, no, they can't play. They're crying on the sidelines. Come play. Come on. Now we have four-year-old boys and girls playing flag up till uh, this summer we had 11 mystic youth team uh, 11 mystic sevens teams playing on a weekend we'd have it was three senior sides which two premier sides playing in the qualifiers one nerfu side playing in the local comp and then we had um varsity boys varsity girls two middle school tackle teams which are co-ed middle school tackle and then um like fifth sixth grade third fourth grade you know the others um, playing flag and that yeah, was amazing we had so That's many incredible teams out playing every weekend we have yeah yeah and I think I think our numbers last year on the on men's side in the the calendar year in the last like calendar year which for us would be rugby the rugby fiscal calendar goes from fall season to spring because that's the way the comps in the U.S. go and uh, in that period we had a hundred and 
I want to say 119 players come through Mystic. Wow. People think we're out there recruiting these guys. People are coming saying, can we get sharp here? Can we come and play here? We just had, honestly, this past year, we had uh, in 21 in the fall, we had a guy named Seth Fagasi, who was a free jack prop. He had a contract in New Zealand after. He couldn't get there because of COVID. Misses that. Gets a new contract in Japan. Is headed to Japan. Gets COVID. Can't leave the country. Japan says, we can't have you in two weeks. You come in two weeks, no contract. So he couldn't go. Lost that contract. Wow. He says, I'll play club rugby and hang out in Boston. He knows people there, whatever. He liked it. He worked hard. In the end, he leaves, gets back to Australia where he's from and played super rugby. He had almost 50 caps with the Reds, but he went to the bubbles wow. where Ryan Martin from the Free Jacks had gone. And Seth went and played for the for the Rebels, ended up back on the Reds, was in the Samoan international team uh, talk and the Wallaby, you know, uh, wider training squad talk as well. Terrific player. Sends this message to Bubba saying, thank you guys so much. If I didn't play at Mystic, I wouldn't have been in shape to get back to Super Rugby and go. And it's like, these guys, club rugby means a lot to them. USA Rugby can't understand how, you know, they want to make it so we don't have too many pros in our club teams because they think it's unfair or whatever. If you're in a high-performance environment, you want to have the best players you can have. Well, mm. they're or not. Every club around the world does the same thing. Bowden Barrett goes and plays for his club in New Zealand when he's coming back from injury or when he gets a chance. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we're, it, it's really strange. So in the fall, we had a bunch of contracted MLR guys. They went off to play in the spring we had this story where it was just uh, development guys from like the free jacks academy or the independents and our guys all together and a lot of my you know kids like cam who grew up here played for mystic when he was in 2017 and they questioned him being a homegrown player because they think we're trying to poach all the pros for our team to be more competitive huh. to win some phony club rugby title that doesn't you know again it's not the for us, the biggest thing is providing good rugby for our guys, putting together a program that has something for everyone. If you want to be competitive in your rugby, you've got a high performance ARP team. If you want to be, you know, local community rugby, we've got the Nerfu team and even a second side from that. And then we've got old boys and we've got youth. So we're trying to be that. We, we got a girls high school team this year. I'm really proud of that. That's we excellent. Don't, we don't want to start a girls senior side because we really respect you know, what Beantown and Boston women and those teams are doing, they're doing great things. And they actually help coach in our youth programs and our girls. Oh. Great. Those players come around. And you know what we're doing is putting together this nonstop clinic of rugby for people. They come because there's a lot of rugby, but in the spring, we had five guys called up as cover in MLR teams who were ne never pros and didn't have contracts. You know, and a couple of them came from the Free Jacks because they came to, to be on their training squad, uh, Javon Camp and uh, Ethan yep. Fry. But then Jack Paluchek, Dash, uh, Boggs. Boggs played for us in high school. Connor Robinson, he's a, he, he went he, St. John's Prep, Mystic Youth, went to BC, didn't play a lot of club rugby when he was at BC, was really true to his college rugby program and was really good he, he he helped elevate i think bc comes back to mystic when he graduates and he gets called into the pros and he, and he went to dallas and played a game buzzy I, I gotta ask uh 
every time I get to talk to somebody who knows American rugby, I always want to talk about this. Um, I talked to Alex Magleby about this. Um, I'm sure you know Ollie Englehart, who I know was with Mystic and everything. <laughs> yes. Another incredible guy. And the thing I like to ask is, you know, when you look at where America is in the world, the, the men's program at least, compared to other countries, it seems like we could be doing a lot better. And I always like to ask, you know, if you had unlimited pockets and you could just throw any amount of money at American rugby, could you fix it? Can you, could you bring us up? And Ollie's comment was, no, it has nothing to do with that because it's not in schools yet. But what you're talking about sounds like it's starting to get into schools. Are you seeing that difference? Are you seeing that change? Absolutely. It's a varsity sport in Massachusetts now. And that's something credit to Bill Good, who was the founder of Myro. And I was part of the founding board of Myro Mass Youth Rugby. And that's something I'm also really passionate about was getting that going. And then Bill took it. He just kept going with it. I didn't, I couldn't stay as engaged with the youth rugby back then because my job took over. And then Bill got it into the high schools. It's an MIAA varsity sport. Boys, it's amazing. Know, and girls rugby. And that's an amazing thing. What we did you know, creating Myro and having that stuff. So now you got guys who are in the MLR who played youth rugby, high school rugby, plenty of them, but your question about the national team goes a little deeper. There's a lot of guys on the national team who are probably not Americans, as we mm. know, right? They have USA, just, just like MLR, USA eligible guys, but I think that's important. That does help us sort of bring our guys up as well, because some of them come from countries where they're, you know, playing rugby a lot, a lot longer, and these mm. guys come in set. I think the coaches at USA Rugby, like Gary Gold and the staff, they were working really hard at this. But I think the hardest part is they don't train together enough. These guys come from now, everyone was really excited because they said, well, all of our players, almost all of our players, when we played the All Blacks, I was there in DC for that. And I enjoyed it anyways, because it was the All Blacks on a track meet. But I didn't think it was bad for USA Rugby. We had to put ourselves out there and see where we are. That's a true mm. test. Why don't you stand up and say, yeah, that's where we are. So what are we going to do to fix that now? And I think it's not money, though. They need time together. So we yep. can't have two-week camp and go play a competition when you've got a fly half playing over in the premiership and you've got a front row over in France or, you know, just you bring yep. these guys together and then all the spread out guys in the MLR. That's great. And then we try to stick them together. There's just no continuity with those teams, I don't think. And, you know, we definitely need to ask some questions. I've been at the last couple of World Cups and we need to do better at a World Cup. And Well, uh, we're only a couple months out from this repechage tournament where we have our final chance to make it. Um, you know, what, what are your predictions about this tournament? Uh, I, I'm, I'm really worried about it. But I think we can listen, you know, my my predictions from my end is we'll qualify, but I really think it's not going to be easy. Um, you know, it's going to be, uh, uh, Portugal's going to be really hard. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. That's my guess. That'll be the hard Losing, losing in Glendale at home when we had our really, basically biggest home field just, advantage. Ugh. That was really rough. That, that put the, that put the fear into me for sure. But you know, the world cup coming, there's a lot of positive stuff going on in rugby. I just wish USA rugby 
isn't connected to the rest of the rugby world. They don't even know what we have going on at the club yet. They have club administrators telling us our players are not eligible or making us, instead of like serving us as our governing body and us paying dues to them and them actually giving us something, all they do is give us crazy new rules and they don't, they inform us the night before a game that all of our guys are going to be ineligible if they play tomorrow. That happened last spring when we clearly wiped out the team that who's, whose president happens to be the club rugby guy and the next thing. And, and I didn't fight it because we don't want to, we don't want to do that. We just want to provide good rugby. Is it fair to my players? No, they have no idea. So we went from this team of, you know, half professionals, half local club players. And by the way, those professionals include local club players who became professionals. But then in the spring, we were really just a development team. I had these 18 and 19 year old kids come from Argentina a connection we've had with a club down there, the, uh, you know, the Argentinians who had come back in my day even and played with mm. us, they came, they came on their own. These kids' parents send them up here to grow up a little bit, get mature, have an experience in America and go play some hard physical rugby because they're transitioning from junior to senior rugby down there. And people look at it like we're, we're recruiting these kids. no. This guy, this time he messaged me, he said, I've got this, this, and this. I said, listen, we've got five MLR back row. This kid's not going to play unless he's better than, you know, the worst of the five MLR guys. And he's a kid, he's not, but he can play at the next level and he's really good. You know, so I look at it as um, we're just helping develop players, wherever they come from. College kids come in the summer. We did this trip to Montreal for years really great thing that Tom Clark and some of the other guys did. And we've had some great coaches, you know, Kane Bubb, our current coach has been involved with the free Jacks mystic river and just a rugby guy forever. He comes from New Zealand. He, you know, he watches a lot of rugby like me. I watch a lot of games. He watches a lot of film and I've learned to break down film a little bit better these days, but I look at how they do it and why they do it. He's not getting paid. He gets some money to cover some expenses we have no paid employees at the club. That's not what it's wow. about. It's a volunteer organization, but I can't help it. There were 54 guys that practiced the other night. USA Rugby is going to have a problem because they think we're we're loading up. But what we're doing is sharing the knowledge of rugby. And guess what? Some of the free jack guys, Dougie Fife and Josh Larson are down there helping. Oh. On their own dimes. Because they they coach, they coach at Harvard, I think, now in the offseason. They're doing some other stuff like that, but they come help us out when they can. And then guys who are playing on the team that have played at the top level, you know, now MLR, they add a lot to your trainings. Is, is the story true that Holden Youngert sort of showed up at Mystic one day and he said, said, hey, can I play? He goes, I met him. I knew who he was right away. And of course, because of Dell, and I almost called him vampire day one, but I didn't. I, <laughs> I knew he was Holden. And I said, and plus he had played with some friends of mine down in NOLA. And uh, he's like, yeah, my, uh, you know, my partner, Maddie, got uh, got into a school. She's in like a, a, an advanced degree, I think, for nursing or something like that up in Boston. Yeah, that'd be you, I think. And he said, you know, he was trying to see if he could get up here. The Free Jack said, yeah, we'll take an American-born nine who can play in the MLR. Hell yeah. And so they brought him in. And he's like, well, yeah, I need to play. And so he came and played for us. And these guys are like these guys are involved in the team. Like they have roles now in our board, you know, in our executive committee, they came to our annual meeting and the votes and all that stuff. These guys are engaged in it at our, at our winter party last year and our sort of banquet awards thing. 
we had Josh Larson come and talk about club rugby and just the importance of club wow. rugby in the whole scheme of things. And I asked him, I said, Josh, would you come and just talk about where you come from, New Zealand, and how important club rugby is, you know, and it's not just like, because a lot of people got really nervous in the beginning of MLR, what's happening to club rugby, the pros are going to take it away, and there's going to be this huge hole, but you still have to have. Were you, were you one of those people who was scared of that? When, you know, in, the, in the beginning, I, I wasn't scared. I was just like, there wasn't enough communication to sort hmm. things out. But Mags has done a great job of building a fan base, putting the great team on the field. I looked at TK and Mags. Those guys have been great. We've run lots of youth clinics together and done stuff like that. The academy, you know, in the beginning, it's like, hey, they're going to set up you know, 26 outposts of the academy. What does that do for all of our little youth programs? Nothing. It's more rugby for kids to go to around the, the free jacks and it's good stuff. And the you know what the games are like. It's awesome going out there. Oh yeah. We love that. So I look at it today as to me, what, what really makes the club successful is not the title. You know, we've got a bunch of bronze medals at the national sevens. We're going out to the club sevens every, nationals every year. Um, you know, we're very competitive in that stuff. Again, finishing third a couple of times, not great, but you know, it, it's still another championship we'd like to get, but that's not that important. What's important for me is our guys getting good rugby here. Are they learning good skills? Or can they bring it back to their schools, you know, their programs, or even to higher honors, which how good does that feel when all your guys are getting poached up by MLR in the spring? And these are development club guys who grew up with us, learn their, you know, Bubba is really helped to get a lot of these kids, you know, he gets some recognition too, like a good coach would do, making sure, hey, have you seen this guy? You know, we're down the field the other day and making sure we, we point out guys or, should, or send, you know, send film or do whatever you can for USA camps and to get guys the recognition. Are you, are you still president of Mystic RFC? Yeah. I'm, when you say still, I was first president back in like the early 90s. And I wasn't president most recently, but I, you know, I retired and I did have a little more time and I wanted to make sure that we were, you know, really setting the club up for success uh, going forward. And I felt we were in one of those kind of vacuums where the club was being sucked down and, and a lot of the top clubs in the area ended up as D2 clubs. And that hurts me. I want them to be D1 clubs. We don't want to go to New York to play every game. We want the Wolfhounds in Boston and those guys to be back in the, in the league with us. But, you know, for now, we'll do what we can to keep, you know, the competition for us at the level it needs to be. Well, I want to get to the next thing too. And so <laughs> as many people may or may not know, you know, you're not just the president of Mystic RFC, but you're also the chairman of Maccabi USA. If you would, please just tell my listeners, what is Maccabi rugby and, and how did that come about? I know you weren't there at, the, at its inception, but you were a, a fairly early participant or, you know, you were part of this. Can you tell us what that was about? Yeah. So, um, the World Maccabee Games is a multi-sport competition held in Israel every four years, you know, uh, sanctioned by the IOS International Olympic Committee and all those other world sporting organizations. And um, it's one of the biggest multi-sport, um, you know, games in the, in the world. And in 85, they introduced rugby for the first time, 15s rugby. And I think there were, in that first year, there were, 
um, Israel, USA, South Africa, and Australia. And uh, USA won a bronze medal. And That's impressive. At every game since that. And sevens was introduced um, in 2013. And this year was the first women's sevens team, I think, this, this most recent. Finally got, went and, but I got a youth team to Israel in 2018 as part of Maccabi USA. So my involvement, though, came in 89. Well, the 85 team went off, did their thing. And it was really thanks to a guy named Jordan Weinstein, local guy. And he had helped, uh, he, he and a guy named Roger Glass were really some of the, the uh, founders of Maccabi USA rugby. And it's a program that's a, you know, select side. But what makes it different than other select sides and other tours is all the athletes are Jewish. In some way or other, they are Jewish. And there's, and they check this stuff. There was actually a kid at Mystic who had, a, his last name was Goldstein, Brent Goldstein. He wasn't Jewish and somehow they, <laughs> he wasn't allowed to play. And uh, Wow. But, um, you know, it's a special thing. You go over there and, and for us, there was a bit of a, there was an attitude that came with being a Jewish athlete because in your life growing up in, you know, at least where I grew up in Boston, even a lot of, you got a lot of disrespect from people. They're like, oh yeah, he's Jewish. Yeah, he'll be an accountant or a doctor or a lawyer. He's not going to be an athlete. And, you know, when they see the Maccabi USA team, it goes from Jewish rugby players to Jewish rugby players. Holy shit. And, <laughs> and that's, that's something that changes you know, how you feel about it as well. It's quite a family to be part of. It's one of those things I went on that. So, you know, I make it as the last guy probably being picked in uh, for the 89 games, the big tryouts. And what, what was the result that year when you went in 89? When I went in 89, we won the bronze and um, we had tied South Africa who won the gold and hadn't lost a game in the whole games. And we, tied, wow. we lost to GB Great Britain. And, you know, the South Africans and the GB teams and the Australian teams, they've been coached by legends. They come over, they're very serious about it. Actually, that GB team had a scrum coach who was, oh, was it Charlie Faulkner, one of the great Welsh front row guys. You talk about, you know, uh, old school uh, premiership and Six Nations rugby and some of that stuff. This guy was a, a legend front row and, you know, they... They have good teams and it's good competition. It always has been. But what's really hard is, yeah, you're jamming in a, a competition into a couple of weeks in the summer in Israel where it's, you know, it's hot as hell. <laughs> a little bit warm, I guess. At, the games are played at night uh, under the lights because you can't play in the day, but we'd have to train in the day or train early in the morning. Plus you're touring around the country to see the country. Um, mm. But, you know, this year, the U.S. had a delegation of about 1,400 athletes, like, or 1,400 coaches, managers, and athletes go to Israel. And this includes like 50 sports. I mean, they have like rock climbing or something. I don't even know what sports they have now, but they have, you know, judo. <laughs> their, their, their website says, baseball, their website says it's 47 points, uh, 47 sports, I think it's what it says. Yeah, yeah it's unbelievable. You know, tennis, golf, you name it, but even like baseball. And I, I know Maccabi basketball is huge. I feel, oh, yeah. While I was just trying to do a little bit of research, I found some incredible videos of Maccabi basketball coming and beating the Toronto Raptors. You know, well, like, well, that's Maccabi Tel Aviv. So that's a pro team right. in Israel where they really take their basketball seriously. And they won the European Championship back in the day as the real underdog story. So, yeah, yeah. That's been some great stuff. But for me, going there, um, you know, I, 
when we got there, it's like, first you get this giant kit bag with all this USA stuff. You're representing your country. You're representing USA. And it's like, wow, you're going to wear stuff that says USA all over it. And, you know, that was cool for a hack club player from Boston, <laughs> Mystic River, right? <laughs> I learned a lot. Ray Cornville was my coach and he was one of the first Eagle coaches. Ray Cornville was phenomenal. And he taught me so much when I got back from that trip I even coached some college rugby at one point, and I just learned so much from him. We were able to bring so much back from that experience. A lot of the players were from California teams, uh, Santa Monica, LA. Um, we had guys from Chicago, always old blue, Nyack, you know, Mystic, yep. some of the clubs that have been heavily represented in this, but we had a really diverse group from all over the place. And some, you know, one of our leaders back then, Sean Lipman, was a U.S. Eagle Um 15th player who's been in you know world cups and all that kind of stuff and he's a south african guy but he came to america he actually played for south africa as like a baby in 85 and then in 89 he played with us and then in 93 with us in 97 we won the gold and then well uh, i'm really glad you mentioned one of your coaches who was influential for you uh, you know as you've already kind of talked about you're somebody who, who who has found rugby and now spreads it you you spread the message you spread the goodwill you you spread the love of the game um mm. is there something that coach gave you that every day that you're in a coaching position or just even if you're just talking with a team that you feel like i got to bring this i got to share this thing i got to keep sending this thing forward for him i felt it was a little bit more technical and it was more about oh we didn't have a lot of rugby systems and and you know these early good coaches were bringing that to Americans who didn't have that kind of structure. Yeah. We knew how to tackle and, you know, pass, we, we would pass, you know, catch pass and basic skills. We were coming into this with, but we learned a lot of team stuff together, which was really good from him. There's other guys. Like I look at, you know, even guys now who um, we just had Taylor Howden. He he's played in the ML. He's played every year of professional rugby in America, except for the last year where he was a coach. Because uh, he played in that pro rugby as well before MLR. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, right. a, you know, starting 10 as an older player even. And he's a Kiwi, great rugby guy. And this year, I learned so much from him. He went in and he just, he was incredible the way he put the put the squad together. And even like AL with our girls team, I was so proud of these guys and what they did. And the girls were up against it. They had, you know, they were playing the Israeli national team that's traveling around playing in these European sevens competitions together. And we have a bunch of girls who never met till they got to Israel. We wow. and for the men get a couple camps in the guys get to know each other. They're doing a bunch of zooms. They're learning some stuff. You know, there's a lot more engagement. And in past years, like in 2013, we went and trained at the Olympic training center, did a day with the Navy seals, um, you know, stuff like that. We played in tournaments like Saranac Lake, can-Am with, with uh, Maccabi and we played in the Aspen that which just was last week I guess the Aspen tourney because all my memories are coming up on that in uh, 2017 before we went to the games we played in or 2016 I guess it would have been the fall of 2016 we played in the Aspen and did really well and you know the gentlemen of Aspen win it every year it seems like but uh, it was a top tournament and camp outside at maroon bells which is like this great place to hike and you know soak up the mountains of colorado so just before we started recording um i asked you about uh you know in adam hughes book he he talks about the notion of 
I'm probably going to blow it already, but Tikkun uh, Olam, um, he, he says it translates literally as repair the world, and it's a Hebrew, a Hebrew principle. Um, and you said you have a, a, a different sort of phrase that you use or that Mystic uses, but that, 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 that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. In Maccabi, we do something called Level 11, which is a day of service. That's it. Similar to repair the world. It's kind of like sadaka is charity. These are these are Hebrew or you know, these are words that in Israel have have strong meaning because it is about helping people and about um, bringing something you know, as you say, repair, repair the uh, you know the earth. Um, we and I'm trying to remember back in 2013 we went to this inner city like tennis camp, like day camp. And it was, you know- This is in, in, in Tel Aviv, is it, or? Um, that was in Tel Aviv. And there were young Arab and Israeli kids, you know, and this was uh, definitely an inner city program, uh, low-income families, whatever. And we're in there running a rugby clinic with these kids. It was awesome. We had so much fun and we gave some balls away. And, oh, the smiles on the faces. I mean, that's a big part of my involvement in youth rugby. You see these kids laughing, having a great time, running around with a rugby ball. And it doesn't have to be, you know, all drill, drill, drill. We don't do that with kids at all. We make it all about, half, you know, Mystic Rugby was, born, was built on three premises, teamwork, sportsmanship, and having fun. That's what hmm. it's and even I take that to the senior level, listen, we're together. This is about the team sportsmanship. We got to be good, you know, good to the other teams, the refs, respect the game, the whole thing. I get really upset when our guys misbehave on the sideline or yell at refs and stuff like that. It's something that I just really, and, you know, we've been working hard to change that sort of image that the clubs had over some of those things. And, you know, you know, for me, it's really important that they remember the main reason we play. It's a game. It's fun. And so that has to be the main thing. But then the, the next year in Israel, we did even a cooler thing where the guys went to the Israeli Sports Center for the Disabled. And oh. they met a bunch of wheelchair and handicapped athletes. And they learned to play wheelchair rugby murder ball. And oh, got in those little, that is a little rough games. sport. Oh, we have a film of it and everything. The guys, it was humbling for our guys, but they had a lot of fun with it as well. And the people there loved it. One of the, there was a, a woman who was like a tabletop, uh, uh, I mean, a table tennis. She was a, a star ping pong table tennis player and um, like Olympian type, you know, uh, type player. And she drove me back to my hotel after the thing. And, you know, wow. she has no use of her legs and the way she managed and got in her van and the whole thing. I was so impressed with the whole thing. But our guys learn a lot when they go there. And this year they volunteered at a senior center and they built some made some little craftsy project with, with flowers and something with a lot of these older women. And, you know, some of them were telling stories about being there when Israel was first founded and or coming yep. in two years later or whatever. It was really, really cool stuff. The kids, you know, and again, this is all part of, you know, getting our guys to be a little bit more humble and to be a little bit more understanding of, you know, the rest of the world. And, uh, you know, that's- So my my son is six now. And so as a dad, what, what should I be telling him about this this great game we love so much? I don't think you tell him anything yet, but we do have little kids down there. I wouldn't, again, I sort of let my kids try any sport they wanted to try. Yep. And, 
I know that you get sucked into these holes as a sports parent and wanting the kids to get go all in, go to all the I see some of the parents doing it now. They sign up for every rugby clinic. They send their kid to every camp. They want to, and listen, that's great stuff, but you don't want the kid to burn out. You want, I actually find the best thing for kids to be more well-rounded is to try a bunch of different sports. But I do find that, you know, rugby being a little more inclusive because dude, you get into football, there's a good chance you're not going to be the quarterback or the running back, you know, because there's only two, you know, whatever. Or Yeah, Mags has talked to me a lot about how one of the greatest appeals of rugby is if you're playing, you're going to handle the ball. Everyone it's going to come to you. Ball. Everyone plays offense. Everyone plays defense. So I, I think it's, you know, it's really good. And I've seen what it does for kids' confidence too. I've had some mothers tell me that, they're, uh, you know, little junior had, you know, gained a lot of confidence just through rugby because they weren't doing well in other sports, but they could see how it changed them a lot. So that's good. Well, we're, we're already past our stop time. I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, I, 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 I do want to ask, I, I, I have a couple of sort of final things just about you personally, too. You're such an engaging individual. I want to get more of, of the you here. Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot just a little bit. I want you to tell me about the, the greatest game you ever had as an individual player. And then also the greatest game you've had as far as sort of being part of a team. So where you weren't the star, but it was that an incredible experience regardless. Wow. So they, they did the, we were going on tour to Spain and Portugal back in, uh, this was in the nineties actually. And they, we did a program book with all the players and you had to fill out some information. And uh, I think favorite, um, favorite mystic game or something was in there or something like that. And I said, and my write up in there was, uh, or, you know, it was, it was that same kind of, you know, best rugby game type of thing. And it was every game I play. And, you know, then I think of what it's the Tom Brady thing. What's your best game? The next one. I think of what a really, (laughs) a really smart old boy who I've played against and with, who I really respect in rugby, uh, Steve Durant from the old Beacon Hill and Beacon Hill dinosaurs and and, uh, Boston Irish Wolfhounds. And uh, Stevie D said, every game is a gift. And I just felt like that. I was like, oh my God, I don't care if I'm playing C team with, you know, I, and back in the day, we, Mystic would field three sides. We still field three sides. A lot of teams aren't fielding three sides these days. And we try to do that. And we haven't always, some years it's tough to even scrape together too, but we've got uh, three sides and then so many other players. But I I guess for me, um, I used to a couple of my buddies, we used to talk about a game we were behind by a large margin at Hartford, and it was not an important game. I think it might have even been a B game, and we came back and beat them, and, and a bunch of us were saying that we were so unprepared. We just walked out there. We had, weren't really warmed up or whatever, and it turned into one of the best games we ever played. There's moments like that for me, but being part of a team, when Mystic won the national championship in 2016, you know, then again, in 28 was incredible stuff. Uh, being in Israel with Maccabi USA, you know, some of those moments and playing, playing, um, you know, or being part of those squads. Uh, now watching these guys who are who are part of that program, and um, you know, there's a lot of that. But again, I love. I'm a rugby 
junkie. I go, I travel to World Cup sevens, whatever. I can see some good rugby if I can fit it in and get there. I'll go. Well, uh, actually, one of my questions was: Am, am, am I going to see you in Quincy this coming year? Am, uh, are you yes. going to be in the stands somewhere well, near me? Founding member. I have, I have fifteen yes. seasons. I think I have fifteen season tickets. <laughs> So <laughs> you can feel the side in the crowd. That's great. Yeah, I, I sit in the crowd side and I have the the uh the fancy seats in the box so I can bring people and they'll have fun and go there and maybe new rugby fans will be sprouted, but I have to sit on the sideline and watch the game. I don't want to be, you know, in the social scene there. I go that yeah, you know, we can socialize before and after, but during the game we've got to watch these guys. Yeah. Great take. Oh, They've put on a great show, haven't they? And I, oh, looked, it's a, uh, you know, great coaching there. And they've done a fantastic job of assembling the team and all the fun and just the environment. And, you know, it was tough to do it in Weymouth with a pop-up stadium and pop-up everything. I mean, they had an inflatable yep. bar down there, but honestly it worked out. And now look at, now they have some infrastructure and I just hope the league, you know, continues to grow and expand and that it, you know, gets on TV a little bit more and, um, I think it's going in the right direction for sure. Uh, I do have to ask the opposite side of that coin real quick was, you know, you must've had, you're a very positive person, but at some point you're a human being, you had a low moment. Was there, you know, a moment maybe as a player, maybe as a coach or an organizer or an administrator when you were like, you know what, is this worth it? Am I going to keep doing this? Yeah. I'll tell you what, I mean, for me, that's happened several times. And, you know, I also, I don't want to criticize people that volunteer to help like USA rugby. They're not getting, they're not paid positions, but you know, our guy at Nerf who Brad had said to me, Hey, USA rugby's putting together these spots. And, you know, I was in, I worked in a big, in a big uh, public company. I was in that corporate world. I understand boards and understand the structures of business and all that stuff. And I understood what a mess USA rugby was in a lot of ways, because they're coming out of bankruptcy. And I put my name, I put my hand up and said, Hey, I'd be happy to interview for a position or whatever. And didn't even get a phone call. I ended up hmm. getting an email at some point. It was really sad to see, but really the low point now for me is having USA Rugby actually having their actual um, eligibility committee, which is made up of people that don't know us, don't know our club, don't know our players. And they've set up these systems in place where they can try to restrict our guys from playing, but they actually just denied that Cam Davidovich was a homegrown player at Mystic. His father was he's from a, he's from a town year. I know I've been, to, I've been to Haverhill whole, many times. His whole story is Mystic kid, club kid, local yeah. kid, Plymouth State Mystic River makes it. To they MLA. still have a farm in Haverhill. It's the right that you can they go to it. Denied that Cam was. They denied that um, Eagle Kyle Sakara. He's a Rhode Island kid, and he didn't. He played at Hendricken in high school. I got him out for a Mystic U nineteen game against the yep. British inside back in the day so he did play some high school rugby with us but he went to Bonnie's and when he came home from Bonnie's he was trying to make the MLR what do he do he came to Mystic so he could be coached there and learn and get better and now he's a legitimate prop starting in the MLR here's a kid this is starting starting week in and week out Kyle has Kyle has earned that spot he sent these guys off to the MLR we're helping them get there what they think is we're out there recruiting all these guys to win some bogus USA championship that doesn't mean anything anymore because it's not all the best teams because the best teams don't participate in USA rugby because they're so sick of all the bullshit. 
Wow. Yeah, that's that is a sad affair right there. And I, I USA Rugby really needs to get their act together on that. And the MLR and USA have to come to agreement on how players can be released and how because there are real concerns about workers comp and stuff like that. We've had some what's bothering me is the administrative hoops that we're having to jump through and then not even being able to do things and being actually denied things and not getting any help from the people that we pay our dues to the, we pay mm. money to this organization for what they give us nothing as a club, nothing. There is no structure that they provide to us that we couldn't do without them. And it's sad. If you know? I gave you the keys to the kingdom, if I could make you in charge of USA rugby, could you fix it? I mean, again, USA Rugby has bigger problems because getting money at the highest level to support an eagle. So, but so there is, a, you asked me how it, could money fix like the mm. national team problems? Money at USA Rugby can fix things and more people can, you know, do better with some of this stuff. But today there's limited resources and they have to go to support these uh, US teams going to these world competitions. Of course, we have to support that. It's not a lot left over for grassroots or club rugby, you know, even collegiate rugby, NCRs and all these organizations have come up because they're just trying to make it better for people and easier for people. No. And I listen, I want the best for USA rugby. We want everyone to register. We want everyone to be part of it. We want them to get better, but if they don't communicate with the people involved in it at the right levels, they're not going to get it. They're kind of dumbing it down. And now the highest level of rugby in New England is D2. There is no D1 rugby in New England, just us. So lots of people like to ask, is sevens the, the sort of the gateway sport to 15s? And I'm starting to see that now. But as a USA fan, is the women's game actually our gateway? It seems to me the women's program is in better shape right now. We're ranked much higher than the men's team is. Um, and it's almost despite all the obstacles in their way. The women have been like, you know what? Screw it. We're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I'm friends with a Hall of Famer who played in the first two World Cups. Like, And so she's been there. I, I remember one of the first questions I asked her was, how come when you go to the locker room at halftime, you don't change outfits if you're all muddy and stuff? And she was like, locker room at halftime? No, we stood there in the rain. Yeah. You know, so it, it's almost like the women are more prepared for the adversity or something. Um, like is our, is women's rugby in the United yeah. States the, the, the key to the, the like women's soccer did that for the MLS in, in America? I mean, women's rugby is so huge. I was so excited to get a girls high school team because we had these girls playing youth with us. And then all of a sudden they're middle schoolers and they're playing. And then we're like, I don't have anything else for you at that level unless you want to play with the boys. And then. Now we have it, which is great. But sevens isn't, I don't, I don't, it's one way into rugby and it's a for a youth rugby. I think it's important there. And I love mm. it as, you know, um, you know, in sort of the adjacent sport that it is, but I, I don't, I think 15 still needs to be a major focus for us to be, you know, as a country uh, to be stronger in it. Like, yeah, we've done better in sevens but we could do better in 15s. And if, you know, if USA Rugby and MLR want to get together and figure out how we, because the pipeline to the MLR and to the national team and the pathway, that's what we are. We're part of the pathway. They don't want to include us as part of the pathway and they want to make it a private pathway through only academies and, mm. 
you know, the Glendales, they're not going to work. Club rugby has to factor into that or else they're not going to get the far reach. I mean, you know, those women though on USA right now, they're going to playing over in the premiership. A, oh yeah. A boatload of those women are getting money and playing over in the premiership. That's fantastic. You this know, this coming World Cup is going to be awesome. I can't wait. Two of the, be- two of the best girls we would have had in Israel were, well, Sarah Levy was with the Sevens team and they're going, you know, she's been a big part of that in the last few years. And Jenny Cronish was with the, uh, Jenny was the first girl signed up for the Maccabi USA women's team, but oh. they camps to do that. But they're, you know, it was cool. Sarah sent a nice video message, but yeah, I just, my frustration in rugby is solely from, I understand it's hard to administer rugby and everyone's not going to be happy with it. But I think, you know, the, I don't know, it, it's, it's a little bit like the monkeys are running the zoo and I don't know how to, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, you know, no one likes when I do stuff like that. I'll be canceled for that. I'm sure. But it's basically like a bunch of rugby people are running rugby. What do you expect is going to happen? They're late for every, you know, as, as coaches and administrators, we're tired of guys who don't tell us stuff or last minute, this, that, and the other thing, they forgot this, they lost that, they can't find their cleats. They their <laughs> They're running like their cleats. So I just, I say it a little bit like that. And the professional level of, you know, of administration at USA Rugby isn't, and again, it's a volunteer organization, fully understand, but we've got to get better. And we've got to do something for our people. We've got to show them that we're trying to help them in their rugby journey when they sign up and pay for USA Rugby, that there's something that comes with that besides uh, the insurance. Because it seems like that's all that's in it is some level of insurance, by the way, is horrific, does nothing for you if a guy actually gets hurt. And, you know, we have always helped out players who end up if their personal insurance doesn't work for it. But most of our guys are all personally insured. Oh, okay. The USA rugby stuff does nothing for us. Yeah. In the real world. <laughs> Buzzy, my new best friend. Oh, as no. I expected, as I expected, I absolutely love this. You've given, me, you've given me more time than you than you promised. <laughs> What's <Cool>. that? <laughs> You know, I'm also a founding member. I've been there every day since before the Kara Cup stuff. Uh, I'm always going to be there. Oh, I can't wait to see there at Fort Quincy. What's the up? First game against New York. Mikey got to play, and he was in it for you know six months or whatever. And he had a you know an associate. That was on my list. So in 2019, your son was listed as a player of interest. Yeah. And which which sounds like he's in big trouble, frankly. <laughs> like there's an investigation and he's a player of interest. The cops are checking. Uh, but you you said he's now he's refereeing, is that it? Yep, he's transitioning to refing. He just played in Israel and kind of hung him up because he has he has some uh, parts in his body that he wasn't born with, some plates and screws and things. And <laughs> he's he's had a couple of tough injuries and he kind of dragged himself back to get into it. But last week he ref three games in uh, two days. So, wow. Yeah, he's back. Oh in, my gosh. That's a hard job. Doing a service to it. He's also running the mystic youth program now going forward. Um, and yeah, I mean, it all, then the youth program started because he said, dad, when can I play rugby? And he kept pushing me. And now we have, you know, hundreds of kids playing youth rugby for years now that have come from that. So he was a kid who started playing flag rugby and made it to the MLR, even on the fringe. 
you know, f- for me, one of the amazing things about rugby has been if you find people who care about rugby and uh, are, you know, are passionate about it and you just say, hey, you want to talk about it? They say yes over and over. I've had incredible guests on here who are, you know, historic people that are just like, yeah, you want to talk about rugby? So do I. It's amazing. <laughs> like the, it, it, I think day. it speaks, I think it speaks to the the sport itself. I think there's something, you know, people like to poo poo rugby values and, oh, it's, you know, it's overblown and all that stuff. I find those things real. Maybe I'm naive. I, I, I don't, I choose to believe I'm not. I think it's real. I think there's something special about rugby and I think it brings people together. I think it creates passion in people that they then want to share with other people. And you seem like a great example of that. We bring team principles from rugby into business and I did it throughout my career. It helped me, you know, tremendously and books like legacy helped me to, to learn so much about these rugby values that other countries have, where I can remember reading, you know, Clive Woodward's book back in the day of winning about mm. England's world cup win. And those things definitely helped me in my career. I, I think the rugby values can't be under, they can't be understated. They need to, it's absolutely a big deal. Buzzy, my, my new friend, <laughs> David and fellow Dave, yeah. <laughs> as you said, nobody will no, ever like, call you by that. In fact, as a Dave, Dave's you must know, here. like, if, if I'm, <laughs> Dave's not here, man. You if, I'm walking down the street, <laughs> if I'm walking down the street and I hear somebody say, Dave, I don't even turn my head. Yeah. I assume it's not me. <laughs> I assume it's somebody else. Um, is there anything that you can plug for us, you know, maybe about Mystic, about what you're doing, about uh, Maccabi USA, or it sounds like you're, you're so enthusiastic about the youth programs, you know, is there something you want me to link in the show notes or something you want to tell us about now before I let you go? Yeah, so for Maccabi USA, absolutely always looking for support there. We have our Hall of Fame coming up in October in Boston, actually, this time. There are a couple older oh. uh, guys who are going to be um, inducted. Jim, well, they already were during the pandemic, but now we're doing a live one, so we're catching up with like three years worth of guys. But okay. Jim, who is a former Mystic, Dartmouth Mystic, Maccabi guy, Danny Schleifer, local guys um, are going to be in that. But Mystic, every weekend, there's games going on down at Pine Banks. Yeah, you're in the midst of a season right now. I know Phil from Jack's Rangers went to, I think, last weekend, mm-hmm. and he's keeping up with, with it. I, I couldn't go last weekend, but I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. Yeah, so Saturday, we play Old Blue at three, and uh, our senior side, Noel Boys, will be down at Union Point playing Boston. Oh, we're hosting i'll probably stay up there just to make sure that we have everything under control at the home field and you know that's our most valuable asset as a club is having a permanent pitch at pine banks park that is made for rugby even though it's turf it was the white lines are rugby and the posts are permanent yeah i mean you've seen it it's one of the best fields around that's not in a stadium like harvard's you know harvard's is probably the best one but yeah yeah you know, you'll appreciate this being a URI guy. A URI guy. I went to see Brown versus Yale when I lived in Providence. The stadium, the football stadium at Brown, it's so beautiful. It, oh, one yeah. side is trees. There's only stands on one side, and it's just a single rake, just straight up. Everyone shows up wearing their weird, like, foxtails and old-fashioned hats and furs and stuff and waving, you know, little pennants and stuff. I love that stuff. It's great. The pomp and circumstance is a big deal. Without a doubt, the Browns quite an organization too. They they have more money. They have these endowments. We're we're trying to get there with us. But honestly, we want the whole community to get help. And I support like 
when Rhode Island youth rugby was starting up, I'm like, I got to give these guys some money, give them some old equipment, whatever we can do to help them. And mm. to become an old boy, like you said, everyone wants to have chats about rugby. And when you get rugby people talking rugby and, and if there's, you know, maybe a beer involved or whatever, it could keep going. But like old boys, we love the other old boys because now we know them. They're just like us. But back in the day, we might not have liked them as much when we were button heads with them at the club level. You know, we had our rivalries. And those are some of my favorite people now. And, we, you know, the older you get, then the guys that are still hanging on playing over 50s, which I've done and stuff like that, you end up with guys from, you know, six clubs on your on your team. That's amazing. Yeah, it's good stuff. Buzzy, thank you, thank so, you much, so much for your time here on the Scrum of the Earth today. It's been amazing. I, I went into this knowing it was going to be amazing and not disappointed. I think all my listeners are going to feel the same way. I need to let you go to get to training. Also, I can literally hear my son upstairs uh, pining for some dinner. I should probably do something about that at some point. So uh, if you need a size, I'm going to have to let you go. Size three or four ball, I've got one for you if you need one for your kid. The size three. Yeah, we've got those. Oh yeah, I want that. the uh, The only ball I have is my uh, twenty nineteen Rugby World Cup re replica ball, and then like a mini Free Jacks one. Yeah, the smaller ones for the kids' sizes. All right, we'll break this on three. Go blue. One, two. Yeah. Three. Go blue. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Buzzy. Talk to you soon. Right. Thank you. Well, my friends, that, uh, of course, from for this most recent bonus episode, I had so much fun. I hope you really enjoyed it. Talking to Buzzy was just fantastic. I feel like we've got, you know, 1,700 hours more of conversation in us, and it's just not come out yet. But boy, oh boy, I hope to reconnect with him soon and to see him in person at the next Free Jacks game. Although it's not going to be till like, April. It's rough waiting as a Free Jacks fan. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed it all. As always... Thanks again for coming along. To all of you across the globe, cheers. Talk to you soon, and be well.